positive intention. So just sitting with our spine straight. Following the flow of the breath, knowing when we're inhaling, knowing when we're exhaling. Just being present with the miracle of the breath. So with each out-breath, just allowing your body to relax further and further. So we're keeping our attention on the breath and also being relaxed.
So I think trying to set a positive emotion, a positive motivation or intention. According to Buddhism, positive thoughts, speech, and actions bring about greater peace and happiness and joy for oneself and others. And negative thoughts, speech, and actions bring about more pain and confusion and suffering for oneself and others. try to set a positive intention. <coughs> to increase peace and happiness and joy in oneself and others. reduce the negative, which bring about pain and problems for oneself and others. Okay, can everyone hear me okay? So tonight is class two of the emptiness series, the four class emptiness series. Um, I thought that we'd start by reviewing what we covered last time briefly. So we, according to Buddhism, we suffer unnecessarily due to not understanding how things exist. But really, the our troubles, according to Buddhism, our troubles, our problems, our difficulties, our unhappiness, are all rooted in the disturbing emotions. Rooted in our anger and hatred, rooted in our obsessive mind. 
feelings, our obsessive desires, our dissatisfaction, our anxiety, our worry, our jealousy, our greed, arrogance, etc. They bring about this agitated mind and a mind that's not peaceful and a mind that's not free. When a disturbing emotion arises, right, where somebody says something insulting to us and then right, our mind gets caught up in what they said to me and how unfair it was and how I'm not like that and how bad that person is and right, it grabs, right, it grabs a hold of our mind, the disturbing emotion grabs a hold of our mind and the peace is immediately disturbed, right? There's no peace in the mind. And then it's hard to let it go, right? It's like, maybe, maybe it's easy for you. <laughs> <laughs> but for most of us, right? Somebody says something right, insulting, it disturbs our mind, right? Until we're able to let it go. And that's the nature of all the disturbing emotions. It, it makes peace of mind impossible. And it makes genuine happiness impossible when the disturbing emotion arises. And then oftentimes we'll do something that's <coughs> harmful to ourselves or others. You know, say something harsh to somebody else. You know, talk badly about others. Maybe hit them, or, right? Um, we'll we'll create actions that, that plant an imprint on our minds, on our consciousness, that brings about, yeah, the potential for future suffering in the future, <coughs> or in the future, others will treat us in a harsh way or speak badly about us, etc. Right. So based on a disturbing emotion, then we create negative karma. And between disturbing emotions and negative karma, according to Buddhism, then all of our suffering results, all of our pain and problems. So, so the, the trick is to reduce and ultimately eliminate the disturbing emotions. Because if we eliminate the disturbing emotions, then by the way, the negative actions, the negative karma won't be created, right? We won't speak harshly if we're not, right? If I'm happy and joyful, I'm not going to speak harshly to others. Right? So naturally, the, the negative karma falls away if we reduce or we stop the disturbing emotions. <coughs> And the disturbing emotions, there are many different antidotes, different ways to counteract the disturbing emotions. Um, but the only way to remove them from the root is to realize emptiness. <coughs> so the disturbing emotions are all based in some sort of misconception. We're holding on to something as being concrete, something as being inherently existing. So the, all of the disturbing emotions are based on this fundamental misunderstanding that things 
exist in in a concrete, separate way, an inherently existent way, a truly way, right from its own side. We put up this list last time, objectively in and of itself. <clears throat> So I'll talk about that a little more in a moment. <coughs> so emptiness is the lack of existing in these ways. It's these ways being inherently existent, truly existent, existent from its own side, etc. Things do not actually exist in this way. But we innately believe that they do. We innately grasp that things are existing this way. Um, and due to that, all of the disturbing emotions arise, and then all of our suffering arises. <clears throat> so if we, if we want to rid ourselves of suffering, then we need to rid ourselves of this fundamental misunderstanding, this fundamental ignorance. And to rid ourselves of the fundamental ignorance, that means we need to realize emptiness, we need to realize that things don't exist in this way. And this is, this is the key to unlock lasting happiness. Right? It's the key to unlock our, our cycle of suffering and reach lasting happiness and peace. So right, so we talked about, okay, well what does it mean for something to be inherently existent, right? Maybe you think, well I don't think anything inherently exists, I never even heard of that word before, <laughs> I don't, you know, <laughs> I don't believe that, right? Um, maybe not in so many words, but it's, but there's this innate way that we grasp at things, yeah. So, Right? We tend to think that there's this kind of objective reality out there that we're just passively experiencing. Right? That there's a book out here in my hand that you're just, right? your mind isn't actively doing anything to perceive book. It's just, there's a book here that you're, you know, you're just passively experiencing. There's a table here, there's a person here. <coughs> from its own side, from here, that's kind of projecting its image to your eyes. Right? And then you're just passively experiencing it. That's what we, that's the way we think everything exists. Yeah. There's a book, there's this table. Yeah. But actually what's happening is that Right? Some colors and shapes are appearing to your mind. Right? Some yellow and some blue right, are appearing to your mind. Your mind then thinks book, right? Imputes book, labels book. Right? Book comes from your mind, right? Some colors and shapes appear to your mind. You labeled book because at some point in your life, you learn that this is what we call this thing, right? In our culture, we call something that looks like this a book, 
from your mind, and then the next moment it appears back as if it really is a book. Right? It really is a book from here. Right? It's, it's properly labeled as a book, but this in and of itself is not a book. Book is one way of looking at this thing. It's a perspective. There's no bookness here at all. Not one atom of bookness here. Book came from our mind. Book come. Book is a convention, right? There's a worldly agreement. There's an agreement in our society, right, in this place and this time, to call this a book. So there, there's no bookness here at all. Book is just an agreement. It's a convention. Am I making sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you agree? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> All right. Just like the A, you know, we talked about last week, right? The A, the three lines, right? A. There's no A to the right. It, there appears to be an A right here. Like, I'm pointing my finger at an A. Maybe that's too low, but anyway, you know. Um, but A is, right, something we learned, right? Something, right, when the Roman alphabet was created, then, yeah. Then we were all trained that this is an A. Yeah. But there's no A. There's nothing inherent... There's no A inherently in those three lines. A is just a convention, right? So everything without exception is like that. There is no existence from, there's no cup from the side of this thing. There's no table from the side of this thing. There's no person from the side of this. There's no attractiveness from the side of any object or food or person. <laughs> and there's yeah, no ugliness. Huh? I said, now you're pushing it. Right? That's why it's so useful, right, to go through examples. Now you're yeah. It. We're like, okay, I, I got the A. I'm agree in agreement with the A. I, I can agree with the book and the table. No problem. When we start talking about people, right? We have strong, strong opinions about people, <laughs> right? Um, and food and things like that, right? And then we start saying no, no, okay. I'm in agreement that this is this book doesn't exist from its own side, and the A doesn't exist from its own side. But don't tell me that chocolate is not delicious from its own side. <laughs> or, right? Or, yeah, that annoying person at work isn't annoying <laughs> from their own side, right? Well, they are. <laughs> but even annoying people, right, are not annoying from their own side. So let's start with person. Before we add annoying. So, 
So you all see a person up here sitting here, well, right? Or it seems that you see a person sitting here, right? But you know, you see some black and some gray and you know, some shapes and some colors. And then your mind labels person. Your, your mind actually sees only a few shapes and colors. And then your mind labels person, and your mind overlays what you see with the image in your mind. We overlay, yeah, you see a few shapes and colors, and then you overlay that with a whole person, right? An image of a whole person. You're assuming that there's a person here, right? That, that if there's a whole person, you're assuming that there's a back of the head, right? You don't see it. So we get a few clues, we get a few shapes and colors, and then you overlay that with the image in your mind. So your conceptual mind labels, thinks person, and then overlays that with person. And a whole bunch of other things, you know, um, adjectives, <laughs> right? Whatever we think about that person, right? Um, oh yeah, that's that's that, right? Annoying person, or that's that nice person, or that's that confusing person, right? Or yeah, person came from your mind, and 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 if you think annoying, right? You overlay those colors and shapes and those sounds with the image that came from your mind of annoying and you put it on top of the person. Annoying came from your mind, right? There were some shapes and some colors and some sounds and then the label annoying comes from your mind. There's no annoying, certainly no annoying here sitting on this cushion. <laughs> maybe in some, on some, no, I'm just kidding. But there's no annoying from the side of the person. Annoying comes from the mind, right, if, based on what our preferences, what we want, and what we like and what we don't like, then we label annoying if we're not getting what we like. Right? When we're not getting what we want, then we label annoying and then we put it on that person when we think they really are annoying from their own side. Where annoying came from our mind and didn't come from the side of the person at all. My teacher, <laughs> I was the at all, at all, yeah. But that is hard, yeah, that's hard. So, so that's the idea, right? So, so we have to start with the book and the table. We don't tend to have a lot of 
disturbing emotions around books and tables and clocks, at least not the ones in this room. And then maybe we start other labels like problem. Problems also don't exist from their own side. Right? There's some data that appears. Our mind labels problem. And then the more we sink into that label, Problem. Oh, that's a problem. Oh, that's really a problem. It starts appearing as if it really is a problem. And the more it feels like it really is a problem, the more our mind becomes disturbed. Yeah, the more agitated our mind becomes. Also, we may, and let's say we're at the grocery store and there's someone who cuts in front of us in line, or maybe they're talking too loud on the phone, or, yeah, being rude, right? And we may label them, oh, they're rude. That's, that label is not necessarily the problem, right? We just think, oh, that's, that's, that's rude, and then let it go. There's not a disturbing emotion that's been introduced yet. But then if we start getting involved more in that, oh, that person's that person is really rude. You know, don't they know they're not supposed to do that, right? And we get involved in the story, and then they, they start to appear as if they're rude from their own side. That's where the misconception They really are rude. They really are rude. But rude came 100% from our mind. We perceive some data, and rude is what we label. Rude. Yeah. And rude doesn't exist out there in that person. Rude comes from our mind. So so Don Lama, you know, we're we're going through how to see yourself as you really are. Um so it's, he, he says it's very important to understand this process of something appears to us, then we label it, and then we assent to or believe that it really is that. So, colors and shapes appear, we label book, and we assent or believe in this as being really being a book from its own side. So,
this is where our fundamental ignorance begins. Right? The fundamental misconception begins with assenting to or believing in the label, believing that it really is that. The, from its own side. Not, oh, that's just something I'm calling it. Right? If, I, if we think, oh, that's just something I'm calling it, there's no problem yet. Or, well, there's not the fundamental ignorance yet. But then believing, believing that it really is that, is the problem. Okay? <laughs> you got it, you realize emptiness. Okay, so far. Yeah. Can you label something and use it? as it's supposed to function, and not assent and believe. Yes. Okay. That's the idea. That's the idea. Because we try to stop before the assenting and the believing. <laughs> so you can use it. So like every time I get in my car and use my car as a car, I'm not assenting or, I mean, I not am because of my mind, but I can still get use it to get places and not assent or believe. Yeah. That is a car from its own side. Yeah. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into that a little okay. bit more. Yeah. So, okay. so I'm going to pop into, yeah, well, I'm almost So, yeah, so in chapter 2 on page 32, if anybody wants to follow along in his book, um, it says that our senses contribute to our ignorance. So, um, yeah, so to our eyes, our ears, our nose, our tongue, right, etc., things seem to exist inherently in their own right. From their own side, right? Things seem right. The book seems to exist to your eyes. It seems to exist, right, from its own side. And so there's there's this appearance, which which is one of the reasons it's so difficult to realize emptiness is because everything appears that way. Because um, this is all happening like right now. These three appearance labeling and believing. That's why. Because I, mean, I look not, at that and it's like all there already. It's not like I'm. Yeah, and even before that, even before that, this thing, yeah, I mean, yeah, this all happens very quickly, it's true, um, and even before, so, so if you do this with book, right, colors and shapes, we label book, it appears back as if it's a book, book, and we assent to it, we believe it's a book, so that happens really fast, and it appears as if it's a book from its own side, but even before the book, before we label it a book, the colors and shapes appear as if they exist from here. And also, similarly, the colors and shapes don't exist from here. Yeah, we, there is no yellow and no blue here, right? We have a certain physiology where we see, you know, these 
you know, wavelengths of light as blue and yellow, but there's no blue and yellow here, right? And if someone with a different physiology would see something different, yeah. Um, and also, another aspect of inherent existence is that things seem right to exist as these concrete, separate, discrete things, right? That, uh, right, there's this person that's separate from this book, that's separate from the floor, that's separate from the table, that's separate from the flip chart. Sorry, I didn't mean to. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, as if these are concrete, discrete, separate entities, right? Just that appearance is incorrect. That appearance that this there's this self-contained thing that's separate right here that's separate from this that's separate from that so even in the first moment there's a mistake in that everything appears as this concrete separate inherently existent thing right. so I know you're not going to get this a hundred percent right now but, um, We'll just get what we can, yeah? All right. So, there's... Are you saying that they appear to exist as if they are separate entities? Is that what you're saying? Like concrete, separate, like discrete entities. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. When, in fact... And we're going to talk about this more, right? This, there's, there's an interdependence, right? Things exist, right? This thing, this thing seems to be an object in and of itself, a, a concrete thing, right? Whereas, like we talked about last week, it's a process, right? There's, this comes from the trees and the clouds and the rain and the sun and the soil, right? And some printing press and you know, an author, Dalai Lama in this case, and Jeffrey Hopkins, and right, a computer, and right, so many causes and conditions came together. Right, this thing got published and printed, and then we call it a book, and then it will gradually disintegrate and then become kindling for fire. So it's not, so, and, and it's something that's changing from moment to moment. It's a process, right? We're concretizing it into this concrete, independent thing. <clears throat> and it appears that way. It appears that way. It's not just that we're thinking <laughs> that um, based on nothing. It appears that way. Maybe I'm going into too much detail. But so our senses... So it appears as if it exists from its own side. Then we label it, and then it appears as if our, it, it is that label from its own side, or the opposite of a label. I can kind of notice that when, since I've been studying, when things are far away, and I can watch my mind like try to label something that's too far away to really 
see and you know it's like oh is that a dog or is it a raccoon or is it a cat and like I can watch my mind kind of trying to like slap a label on it and then as it gets closer I get closer I you know I can where before I think I would just see that and be like oh there's just too far away to tell Mm-hmm. But now I can kind of like actually see my mind like trying reaching and yeah. trying to label it. Yeah, yeah. And it's really mm-hmm. helpful, right, when you see mm-hmm. an, something that's not, an object that's not really clear initially, yeah. and then you see your mind actively trying to label it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's kind of, it can even be frustrating sometimes when you can't <laughs> figure out the right label. Um, yeah, so, so that's really helpful, right, when we start mm-hmm. seeing how our mind is playing into, mm-hmm. right? And labeling isn't bad, right? Mm-hmm. Labeling is <coughs> necessary to function in life, right? So the labeling isn't the problem of ignorance, it's believing that then it really is the label you gave it, right? That person really is annoying or attractive I think one, one thing you mentioned that is, is helpful for me to understand this um, is that when you said, where is, the, where is the bookness of the book? Where does that reside? Yeah. Uh, if you were to tear out a page from that book. Yeah, we're going to go that, into that later. That yeah, I haven't gotten into the analysis. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, where is it? Where, where yeah, is it? exactly. And that's how we start breaking down. Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, I'm just, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I want to go through a couple of other things before we get into the, okay, well then how do we overcome that belief? So, so it's useful to understand, or it's maybe more than useful, just useful to understand this process of how are how do our disturbing emotions arise from this fundamental ignorance? Right? It's super helpful. So yeah. So Dalai Lama talks about another step besides after assenting, believing is like committing. to the truth of that. Not only is that person annoying, but that is true and absolute and right. Right? (laughs) That's when the disturbing emotions really come into play. Right? Is not only is that person annoying? They are really, truly annoying. That's the truth. And if anybody disagrees, they're wrong, right? Um, or, or we see this in, dare I say the word, <laughs> I can jump in and jump out of it. <laughs> Politics. Right? We see how strongly 
their viewpoint and it is right, and if anybody disagrees, then they're wrong, absolutely wrong, and the more they commit to the truth of that, right, and they might troll other people and insult other people online and, you know, even right at the extreme, like being willing to kill people who believe in something different than they do, right? And the belief was so holding on to our opinions as being absolute right from their own side. Hmm. Right? That's all. Right? So much hatred is involved in believing that the other is absolutely wrong. Not only are they wrong, they are they in themselves from their own side are wrong. Not only that, that is the truth, <laughs> right? The absolute truth that they are wrong, right? And can you see that this more, the more strongly we believe in that label, that them, that wrongness or badness in that person, in that situation, in that object, the stronger our disturbing emotion arises. And I think that, that well, I'll just give one more example, and I think that I've, I've probably given this example before in class, because I think about this when I'm at the grocery store, you know, going down the aisles. And uh, so, so the down the aisle says, okay, so first, you know, you, you encounter an object and you recognize its presence the presence of the object, right? You're going down the grocery store aisle and you're recognizing the presence of the objects. And there's no disturbing emotion that is arisen yet. Second, we pay more attention to one of those objects, labeling it attractive, and then thinking, oh, that really is attractive. <coughs> that really is attractive. And then the next step, the mind, right? He says it adheres to that and then desire. And that gives desire in the eyes, right? So I think about that, you know, walking down the grocery store aisle and then <laughs> and there's all of these objects, right, on the grocery store, in the grocery store, right, on all the shelves. But yeah, but then suddenly, right, the chocolate kind of calls out, right, <laughs> appears more vividly to the mind, right, and then deliciousness appears to be calling, right. It appears. Right? It's like there's all of these objects and then there's like this chocolate that's in relief, right? The attractive, the delicious object that's appearing more strongly. Right? And then the more we think, <gasps> delicious, it really is delicious, and then the more the desire arises. And then if it's strong enough, then we grab the chocolate and stick it in our cart. Right? So you see how... 
the, the desire, right, comes from seeing the, the attractiveness in the object itself, right? Not just labeled as attractive, but it really is attractive, it really is delicious. And the more we think about how it really is delicious, then the more likely, right, the more desire we have and the more obsession we have in our mind about it. And then we might eat too much chocolate and then we might get sick or maybe we might get diabetes and, right, it becomes a Self is involved. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to actually bring up the self next. Was there a question with what we've covered so far? Okay. When you were talking about um, oh, the getting annoyed at somebody, it just a to me, because I know you've studied NBC too, violent mm-hmm. communication, that it's so easy to like jump to saying like that I'm not having this feeling now and just pushing it down, but actually in the moment that person is really annoying for me. Mm-hmm. But how they exist is different. So I was, I was just thinking that, that it's like so easy to just jump to like, no, they're not like that and denying what Mm-hmm. what's mm-hmm. happening and like mm-hmm. pushing it or something mm-hmm. down yeah yeah as opposed to like th- I mean I think that's why we grasp it so strongly because we feel it strongly mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. happening there is uh-huh. like a feeling coming up uh-huh. but then it's like looking at why that like where's the miss knowing or like the miss um, interpretation or where's that happening as opposed to this isn't really happening, which I guess would be mm-hmm. nihilism in a way. Yeah, I mean, like it is happening. To the one yeah, it is happening, right? We're feeling annoyed. Yeah. And it's good to acknowledge that we feel annoyed, right? Pushing it down is not the answer, right? We're feeling annoyed. But then the next step is to try to, you know, I mean, apply reasoning to see how they're not annoying from their own side. I may still feel annoyed, right? To, to let go of the annoyance is not necessarily easy, right? Yeah. But the more we see it as, oh, that's coming from my own mind, the more likely we'll be able to, to let go of that. But if we keep convincing ourselves, no, but they really are, then that deepens the annoyance. Yeah. But it's tricky. I mean, using emptiness as an antidote to the disturbing emotions. Um, it doesn't. It's not effective right away, right? We have to. We have to reflect on it and meditate on it for a while before it's really effective. Right. Okay. So let's talk about the self. Maybe, right. Books. Okay. All well. Well. Fine. No big deal. How does this affect me? Affect me. <laughs> right. So. So then we think that we are this concrete, separate person, this me, me, the me that wants to be happy, the me that wants to be 
respected and treated well, the meal likes to be understood and loved and successful and um, yeah, have a good life and yeah, all of that, right? That belief in the me, and we're going to talk a lot more about this next week. Next week is going to be dedicated toward the me and and uh, yeah. Do we believe that there's this concrete separate me? There's a real essence of me in here. But then we say, okay, well, but who is this me? Who is this me that wants to be happy? Who is this me that wants to be thought well of, right? Most of us have that. We want others to think well of me. So, who is this me who wants to be thought of? Is it the body? Is it the head? <coughs> is it the hair? Is it the ears? Is it the brain? Etc. Right? If there's this real concrete me here, we should be able to find So is it one of the parts of the body? Is it the mind? Right? The body is changing from moment to moment. The mind is changing from moment to moment. So where, what, what is this real me? Yeah. We think that there's this me, right? If somebody insulted me yesterday, I think you're right. there's still the same me here that was insulted yesterday. Right? What is that me? So we uh, will we'll explore this issue much more next week. But, right, so we think that there's this concrete separate me, and then based on that, we're trying to find happiness for me, right? We think that we're separate. Happiness for me, comfort for me, success for me, right? attachment to objects that bring, objects and people that bring me happiness, aversion to objects and people and situations that bring me pain or interfere with my <coughs> happiness. So that all, right, and then attachment arises, aversion arises, anger arises, jealousy arises, right, all the disturbing emotions arise based on believing that there's this concrete separate me. <coughs> this me arose from sperm and an egg and the education and the food we ate and the uh, air we breathed and all of the, the friends we've had and the TV shows that we've watched and the books we've read and right? the me is not this kind of concrete separate thing, right? If we had a different upbringing, right? We lived in a different culture, we had a different family, Right? We would be very different people. Right? We are a composite of our experiences. Yeah. But that's the, that belief in that concrete separate me is the beginning, you know, the, the biggest problem. You create that separation, and based on that, all of the disturbing emotions arise. Am I making sense? Mm -hmm. All right. 
the Dalai Lama talks about how in order to overcome our disturbing emotions, right, we need to overcome this fundamental misconception, this fundamental misunderstanding. And we need to, to, to overcome this fundamental misunderstanding by looking at our minds and seeing how we are believing in inherent existence. We are believing in things, you know, very instinctively, right? Not consciously, necessarily, but we're believing very innately, instinctively in throughout, like, 24-7, every day, day after day. We're seeing things as existing in this concrete, separate way, <coughs> in this inherently existent way. We're believing that, and then we're basing our whole life on this belief. So we, so we can only get rid of this misconception by looking within our minds and our own experience. And then we need to give up those, once we see those false beliefs in our minds, then we need to give them up. We need to eradicate those false beliefs um, in order to counteract the disturbing emotions. Right? So it's not, he says, it's not a matter of just withdrawing our mind from objects, right? It's not just a matter of, oh, okay, well, I just won't think about it, and I'll just meditate on my breath, right? Or I'll just meditate in space, right? Those are great meditations for calming the mind, you know. But they in and of themselves are not going to remove our ignorance. Right? They're not going to remove this mm -hmm. fundamental misconception, right? Like, yeah. A lot of times people just want to sit in meditation and calm the mind and bliss out and think that's it. And that's great, right? And when we go back into the world and that person insults us, we'll get, we'll get annoyed again, or we'll get angry again, right? Because we still believe that they really are, right, wrong or annoying, and we think we, we still think we really are this permanent thing that's being insulted. So we need to meditate on the mistake that we have and, and realize that things don't exist the way we think that they do, right? It's like, right, if you think you see a snake in your garden, right, you can withdraw your mind and think, oh, well, isn't it a beautiful day, right? But it doesn't get rid of your fear of the snake by just changing what you're thinking about, right? Or by meditating on your breath. Right? When you stop meditating on your breath, right, the fear of the snake will, will arise. Right? Until you see, oh, that's not really a snake. Right? Oh, that was just a piece of rope. Or, oh, that's just you know, some, something harmless. Right? You only get rid of the fear by realizing the absence of snake. Right? And here, we only get rid of our anger and our disturbing emotions by realizing that the object of those disturbing emotions doesn't actually exist. And that's the process of what we're doing. 
And I say that, that that's really important because I think in the modern day, you know, there's a lot of lot of different meditation techniques that claim to be realizing the ultimate truth, which are in fact just withdrawing the mind. Okay. All right, so after the break, we'll get into one of the reasonings. And should we come back? How about 10 minutes?